Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost. We need a renewing of the Holy Ghost tonight. Look at your neighbor and say, he'd done it before. He can do it all over again. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. He'll give you the joy. I feel like shouting tonight. Come on, there's a rejoicing in me. I'm so glad he filled me. February the 22nd, 1987. Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Jesus filled me with the baptism of his spirit. And I still got it. I said, I still got it. I've still got it. Amen, 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 amen. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. Thank God for the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Samuel 22 and 1. Thank God for his word tonight. So thankful for our multi-campus represented here. Those from every city, we're so glad you're here. We're so thankful you made your way to the house of the Lord here in Zanesville, your travel, and uh, your willingness to come. I appreciate that. And uh, there's nothing like being in church with God's people. Amen. Amen. Nothing like being in the church. One of these days we'll be in heaven with God's people. I plan on going. How about you? So glad to have Brother Dylan Woodward with us, who has recently moved to Zanesville and uh, to be a help to us in so many different ways. But uh, in 2023, we're planning on January, we're planning on planting a Spanish work and uh, here in Zanesville in the youth center. And I know there's going to be a great, great, mighty church that's going to come there. Amen. That speaks another language, but we're so thankful he died for us. So thankful what he's doing in this city and beyond. Amen. I reached back tonight in my spirit to preach something to you that brought me to this city. And I just feel like God wants to do it again. The Lord has sent you to hear somewhere at least to this church at one point. Maybe now you can say you came through this church serving somewhere else. But the burden and the vision that got you to where you are and that has brought us to where we are comes from 1 Samuel 22. It says, And David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him and It describes the people that came to find him there. Everyone that was in distress. Everyone that was in debt. Everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. Everybody say unto him. And he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. If you go one book and one chapter later, 2 Samuel chapter 23, chapter 23, 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8. These same men that were distressed in debt and discontented it says these be the names of the mighty men whom David had it says the Tachmanite that sat in the seat chief among the captains the son of Adino the Esnite he lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time isn't that amazing you're talking about a warrior a warrior it says, and after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, 
you glad your name's not Dodo? The Hoahite. <laughs> Praise God. Your life could be worse. One of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle and the men of Israel were gone away, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. His hand clave into the sword. My dad used to junk cars. Uh, he said he'd hit, beat those cars with an axe until at the end of the day, you, you couldn't let go of the axe. Your hand would cleave to the axe. He said he had to prise his fingers off the axe handle just to let go of it. He couldn't just let it go. He had to prize his hand. This man had fought so much with Matt that he couldn't get his hand off the axe, off the sword. And it says, uh, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. His hand clave unto the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. He brought a victory. Woo! Praise God. And after him was Shammah, the son of a G, the Hararite. Uh, just, just so, because I, I know all of you Buckeyes want to know the meaning of this. But uh, Hararite was a mountaineer. Amen. Praise God. It's awful quiet in this room right now. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. There was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. And slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. Somebody shout amen. I, I could read on because there is a catalog here of David's mighty men. When I came here, I came to pastor people that I didn't know the faces of. I only had a vision. But in 18 years of being here and 15 years of looking over the last 15 years, I'm glad to tell you there are mighty men and women of God in this building that would be willing and have done the same in the spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, somebody shout all by myself. Look at your neighbor and say all by myself. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I bring to you what I feel in my spirit uh, to preach on this evening. It was Friday. I was, I was awakened in the morning. Uh, and when I woke up, the Lord spoke to my spirit a few times. As it happened, I can't say many times in my life that the Lord has done this. But most of the time, if not every time, I have remembered what has happened in the moment that when I would wake up and God would just give me an instant word. And the Lord said to me this past Friday morning, He said that between, between a person's conviction in their life and the call of God in their life, He said, I will always give them a burden. May I explain to you that what he's saying is that when he gave you repentance for the first time. I may remember when God gave you repentance. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. And when that conviction came, not condemnation because condemnation is not of God. But when you felt conviction, I'm sorry for my sins. I've got to change my ways. Aren't you glad he gave you an opportunity to repent? He gave you conviction for the things in your life that were wrong. Come on, how many glad he gave you conviction over the things in your life? I'm not what I used to be. He, he showed me the error of my way. My, my dad taught me growing up that sin's not the problem. It's when you start feeling good about doing bad that's the problem. When God gives you conviction and you say, I'm sorry, God. Lord, forgive me for the things that I've done. 
that place of repentance. David, David acknowledged this in Psalms 51 when, when he said, I acknowledge my sin and my transgression is ever before me. In sin, I was in sin, I was in, uh, conceived in sin and, and iniquity. But he goes on and he makes this statement that he's asking God for forgiveness and cast me not away from your presence. It was a moment of repentance. In that moment, you were not thinking about your calling. You were just thinking about, I want to be right with God. When you came to church, it didn't matter who preached. It didn't matter who sang. It didn't matter what song they sang. It didn't matter if the choir was in or not. It didn't matter. All you were just thankful were that God had forgiven you of your sins because when he forgives you, you know that he's forgiven you. How I many remember that day the Lord forgave it and you knew he had forgiven you of those sins? Isn't this something to know that you're forgiven? Praise God. Somewhere between your conversion, the, the moment of conviction that he brought to your life, that you're saying no to this. You're, you're some, maybe some phone calls you're not answering now and, and uh, there's, there's, there's music you don't listen to now and there's things that you stopped wearing and places you stopped going and people you start associating with, stopped associating with, things you don't watch and you can't wait to get back to the house of God. We call it conviction. It's, it's now I just want to be right with God. In, in that moment, you're so glad just to pray. You can't wait to read your Bible. You call the pastor and say, I don't know where it's one to start. I'll start at the beginning and, and don't even know. I've seen people didn't even know there was a New Testament. They didn't know Samson and Delilah. They, they didn't know who Simon Peter was or Andrew. They didn't know any of that. Where do I begin? And uh, you start reading the Bible. You just feel drawn to the Word. You feel drawn to the house of God. You come early and sit in the parking lot just waiting on somebody to get here. Just It's conviction. It's, it's now my desires have changed. I want to be in the house of God. May I remind you today, you're here because God gave you a desire to be here. You pray because God gave you a desire to pray. You read your Bible. It's grace. He's given you a desire to read your Bible. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. But when I was repented and he called me to repentance and I was baptized in his name, Galatians 3.27 says, many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. We've now got the mind of Christ, the love of God. The reason you're here is not out of religious obligation. The pastor's going to call you. Don't. No, no, no. I'm here because I want to be here. And I want to be here because he gave me a desire to be in his house. Come on, the reason you sing the way you do and wave your hands and, and shout hallelujah is because you've got a grateful heart for a God that has changed your desires. Her name, her name was Betty Wood. You, you remember her. She, uh, she was our neighbor, lived right below us when we first got married. And, uh, and I'll never forget, she'd stand up in church and she'd make this testimony often. And she would say this statement, when we had testimony, how many remember testimony service? She'd say this statement. She'd say, I just want to thank the Lord for a desire to serve Him. That's what she'd say. I want to thank God for a desire to serve Him. I, I remember hearing that so many times growing up in church. Then my mother and my brother would sing a song together, and they'd sing something like this. It's my desire to live for Jesus. It's my desire to be like Him. On earth I long. And they sing a beautiful song. Grew up hearing that song often. I miss hearing my mom sing beautiful uh, alto voice as she'd sing. And uh, the desire you have is from the Lord. And, um, but there's more to this than repentance. Hebrews 6 says that we've got to leave the foundation of repentance and baptisms. And we've got to go on. There's more to this than just being forgiven. There's more to this than just being saved. Oh, am I preaching to anybody tonight? I said, there's more to this than just being saved. God has more for me than just waiting on the trumpet to sound. God has a plan. And, and in that, let's, let's turn there, if you will, for just a moment. I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter Hebrews, chapter 6 tonight. And uh, look, look what it says. It says, it says, therefore, verse 1. Hebrews 6, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on unto what? Perfection. Not laying again the foundation of what? Are y'all with me tonight? Everybody say the foundation of repentance. From dead works and of faith toward God. 
this is what the verse is saying and every service you come by, oh, you, you, your memory. When, when God, when you, when you repented and got baptized, he didn't wash away your memory. How I many know it's true? Paul makes the statement, forgetting those things which are behind. You've got you to try to forget that. And, uh, but he, he says here in his writing to the Hebrews, he said, he said you, you've got to go on past the, 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 the foundation of repentance under dead works. It, it's like this. Oh, God, it's me again, God. I'm sorry for what I did five years ago. Oh, God, please forgive me. You've repented of it a hundred times. It's me again, God. I'm so sorry the way I acted, what I did back there when I was when I was 17 or 25 or whatever it had been years. And it's almost as if you go to the graveyard where your sin's been buried. Go to the sea of forgiveness and have a have a have a uh, treble hook on there with a big heavy weight you throw out there and snag and trying to pull the things back that he's buried. Trying to just hope he'll forgive you. He said, Why are you pulling up dead works? You gotta go beyond just him forgiving you of what you did 25 years ago and 10 years ago and five years ago and six months ago. You, you've got to believe that when you laid yourself on the altar and understand that he allowed you to feel sorry for that. That wasn't guilt, it was godless sorrow. You got on that altar and said, God, I don't want to do that. You don't even have desires to do that anymore, but you're repenting over something that already been washed away. Could I say to this church, you've got to step beyond the infancy of repentance and step into a place where you can walk with God in confidence and know that was yesterday. That's not who I am now. Come on, if you're not careful, you're going to step into a place of unbelief. And without faith, it's impossible to build possible to please God and what you're saying to the Lord I'm not so sure if your blood is powerful enough to forgive me you can forgive them but I don't know if you can I tell you you got to believe with all of your heart that was yesterday and his blood has washed it all away I am not what I used to be old things are passed away behold all things somebody shout all things have been made new I want you to shout with me put off the old man put on the new man how many believe we were crucified with Christ? Yet I live, but not I, but Christ that lives within me. Amen. I'm not a, just a son of Frank and Debbie Bounds. I am a child of God. I've got royal blood in my veins. Amen. My robe has been washed in his blood. It's white as snow. He made it. Come on. I thought more of you would be on your feet right now praising him. If he's ever washed his sins away, you got to jump up and shout, thank God he washed my sins away. I am not what I used to be. I'm a new creature. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a new person. New person. Why am, I, why am I preaching on this tonight? Because we need it tonight. Amen. I said we need it tonight. You'll never do anything in the kingdom of God if you keep talking about what you used to be. That person's dead. You already had a funeral service over that person. They're back there somewhere buried in the grave of baptism. Amen. Don't you go back to that baptism of water. Stick your long arms and fingers down in there trying to pull that old dead carcass of sin out of there and look at what you used to be. If he forgave you, you need to forgive you and walk away that and say, I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to be a lady of God. I'm going to do a work for God. Somebody shout, move on. Move on. I come to preach to somebody tonight. You need to move on. Quit digging it up and talking about it. There'll be a moment you, you put it behind you and say it's over. You can make a conscious decision to forgive yourself. Some of you have forgiven others, but you've never looked in the mirror and say, you are not what you used to be. I, I wish somebody would look in the mirror of the word and say, Aaron Bounds, you're going on to greater things. God did more for you than just forgive you. He's got a plan and a destiny. Come on. You're not just going to make a living. You're going to make a difference. You're going to make a difference. Somebody's life's going to be changed because your life was changed. Somebody say amen. So David is, David in, in his his calling is anointed to be the king he's anointed to be the king of Israel it didn't happen immediately yeah you have to realize that when the hand of God comes over your life 
He was in the 16th chapter. He was just a young man. He was serving his father's sheep. And, and uh, uh, just making sure y'all looking at pastor tonight. Amen. <laughs> hey, Joseph. Come here. <laughs> Trust me, it could be worse, Bubba. I want you to give me another water. He got me water this morning. Aren't we so glad Joseph's here? He, he served us this morning. As Elisha minister. Now all of you look at me. He was anointed at a young age to be the king. But he wasn't the king. He had the anointing to be the king. When they anointed him, people got mad at him. Favor the Lord on his life. Not everybody's going to be happy about what God's doing in you. Or for you. I've seen many people go home in the blessing of the Lord and people get mad at them for what God's doing in them. That's what happened. After he became anointed king, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. But you know where he went after he was anointed to be king? He went back to take care of his father's sheep. Hey, Dad, I don't have to take care of your sheep anymore. I'm the king. His dad would have whipped him like he was before he got anointed. Just because you hear the voice of God doesn't mean you don't have a responsibility to serve somebody else. Just because God gave you a dream and a vision and a calling doesn't mean you can't help somebody. What do you do in the meantime? The anointing rests on you. The prophet prophesied over you. He told you, you God was going to do great things in you. You don't sit and wait on the moment you serve until the moment unfolds you get involved and remain faithful until the moment unfolds if you've got a word from the Lord you've got to serve and be faithful until and the Lord said to me he said between conviction and the call of God of my people he said I will give them a burden that's what he told me he said I will give them a burden until the call of God is in their life between their conviction and their call. Somewhere in there, I'm going to hand them a burden to serve. It's exactly, Joseph, what happened to Samuel and first what happened to Saul when Saul was anointed. Just teasing. I'm not beyond that, trust me. Beyond when he was anointed to be the king. When Saul was anointed to be the king. And he took the flask of oil and poured over his head. And, and at the inauguration of the first king of Israel, the Bible says there was a band of men. Let's look at it. In 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 25. Let's look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 25. It says, Then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom wrote it in a book and laid it upon before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. Saul's anointed to be the king. And look what it says. Next, next verse. And Saul also went home to Gibeon. Because some things weren't time yet. Just because you have an appointment and a calling, even an anointing, doesn't mean you can't take instruction from the prophet. Well, I'm 18 years old, Mama. And? Come on now. I'm going to help every mom in the building. Hey, I got my own job, my own wheels. Uh-huh. I'm independent now. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I've got a degree now. My lands. You're going to thank you independent until you get married and you're going to realize how much you need. Amen. <laughs> he went home because the prophet said go home. Hold on a minute. Samuel, don't you know I'm the king? Oh, no. Not at this moment of Samuel's life. He was still surprised that he had oil flowing over his body. He was still in that humble manner of me? You serious? Me, out of everybody, me. You mean, you mean I'm going to be? The, he was still, he was still shocked that he could have purpose 
Because true humility is not expecting they better use me because I am. Oh, no, humility is, oh, you want me to sing? You, you want me to preach? You want me to pastor? Me? That's humility. He said, I'm the least in my father's house. That, it wasn't being, that wasn't false humility. That's exactly how he felt. My father's house. Brother Andy, he says, the least in the kingdom. Me? And when, when the prophet said, everybody go home, he just went up and started going home. He, he didn't think it was any different now under the anointing than he felt before the anointing. When Samuel said, all right, inauguration dismissed. Everybody go to your house. Saul just did what he normally did. He obeyed. Started going home to his house. That type of spirit. Be careful to defy everything and to question everything and skeptical on everything that the prophet in your world, the preacher in your world, and the parent in your life says. It's, it's a dangerous. I, I know the Bible says, oh, let me talk in the Holy Ghost. I know the Bible says that, that we need to judge the fruit. But at some point, you got to trust they have fruit. If you're a skeptic, you'll be miserable. Well, I don't trust anybody. You're miserable. It's better to trust and be hurt than to not trust and be living in a prison all by yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to address what I feel. Well, I was hurt by a preacher 25 years ago, so every preacher in your world is going to be wrong. Somebody led me, somebody did this. I'm going to tell you right now. At some point, you've got to believe this is where I'm supposed to be and this is the person that God's put in my life to be my pastor. This is where God has called me. Can't go to every service with your arms folded to see if he preaches good enough to get with. Come on, if, he, if he's holy enough to listen to. Somewhere you got to believe. That's where This is the man God put in my life to steer me in the right direction. And if he found me when I was looking for things that were lost, I believe he's going to take me to where I'm supposed to be. And until then, I will follow and obey what he wants me to do. And that type of spirit that was in Saul, the Bible says when he turned and went home. Look what it says in that verse. Go back up there. It says, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. God moves on people to follow men who can follow people. There's no such thing as a leader that cannot follow. Great followers make powerful leaders. If you can't follow, you can't lead. If you can't submit, you can't stay anointed. Come on now. If you can't follow leadership, you'll eventually become the people's choice and do what people want you to do instead of what God wants you to do. I come to preach to everybody in this building. We need a revival of humility that says, God, I need a Samuel in my world. I need a prophet in my life. I need somebody that can give me direction. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Do you want a great future? Listen to your mother and your father. And your days shall be long upon the earth. You still got a little water on you? You do? You're like, I'm soaking wet, pastor. I was on the front row. Watch, watch, bear with me. When God calls a man and gives him a vision, a calling, a purpose, he will always call others to go with him. A vision will not, from the Lord will not ever be accomplished, attained by yourself. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it's one of the greatest portions of Scripture in my life. I'd like you to turn there if you have your Bibles. And uh, come on over here. You know why he comes here? Because he wants to come here. He didn't have to come here tonight. He's here out of choice. How old are you, Joseph? He's 12 years old in a church on a Sunday night. 
He'd rather be in church than play video games. Than watch sitcoms. Come on. Feed at some restaurant tonight. He's here because he wants to be here. And I'm telling you, that's what makes a church a church is when people embrace the grace of the call of God that says, I'm here because I want to be here. You didn't have to. I didn't have to come. I came because I can't wait. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's a desire, Joseph, from the Lord. It, 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 you, you, you didn't just like it. It wasn't just because people were friendly. We have friendly people here. It wasn't just because you and the pastor connected and we, made a, we, we got a friendship. It, no, there's something in you, buddy, that's beyond you. You know what it is? It's grace. It's grace. It's the grace of God. The grace of God, some of you still married. It's the grace of God, you didn't kill your kids. It's the grace of God, you still have a relationship with the church. Because it's not always easy. But you're here because God gave you grace. It's the grace of God that you could forgive. It's the grace of God that you can love again. It's the grace of God that you repented again and the Lord forgave you. It's the grace of God. You're only here because God gave you a desire to do what you're doing right now. Come on. I'm going to tell you what I felt in the Holy Ghost. The Lord is going to do it again. What he did powerful you powerful for you once he's going to do it all over again what he did in your family one time he's about to do it again that's what he specializes in doing things again and the bible says lean over here look what it says it says for you see your calling verse 26 everybody say i have a calling it says for you see your calling brethren how that not many wise men after the flesh. One of these days you're going to be up here reading the Bible and preaching. Amen. You see where I'm at? You see, it says, for you see your what? Calling brethren. How that many wise men. How that not many wise men after the flesh. Not many mighty. Not many noble or what? Sounds like to me, if God called you, you came from a lesser category. <laughs> Listen, to say I'm called of God is to say I'm not all that. You know. Come on. I, I know I've said it. I'm a redundant teacher. I tell stories over and over again, and you're so awesome. You act like this first time you've ever heard it. <laughs> but Samson did not, did not look like God's gym. Shirts. Do you remember those? <laughs> I'm tickled. <laughs> he wasn't ripped and cut up. The old muscle looked like a linebacker. The Cody Spellman. Stand up. Samson might look like him. I'm not making fun. He might have looked like me. See, when we picture people doing great things, we picture the size of the person to do great things. But Jesus taught us to walk by faith and not by sight. Some of you haven't stepped into your calling because of who you see in the mirror. Well, if I was raised in this family, if I had this for a dad, if, I, if I'd have just had a dad, if I'd have just been, if I hadn't done this. And the problem is you don't see God in your life. You only see you in your life. But when he calls you to something, he's going to call you to do something you can't do with your own physical strength. Your own mental ability, your own capabilities, your own pedigree and background. When he calls you to do something, it will always be beyond you because he's not going to let anybody get the credit for what he's going to do upon the earth. He just needs somebody to say, I'll give you the praise, I'll give you the glory, I'll give you the honor. 
Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look what it says. It says, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and has and base things of the world. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you now. Amen. Base things of the world and things which are despised that God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to not the things that are. Why did he choose somebody that can't do the job? When I was a boy, they'd, they'd, they'd had, we'd play kickball or whatever, recess. And they line up on the fence and pick two captains and pick everybody. You know, when you're playing a bunch of strangers, they always pick the tallest guy when you're playing basketball. I've learned playing basketball, that doesn't always mean anything. Are y'all with me? And I remember being a little guy at the new school. And they picked everybody but me. They didn't pick me, but Jesus did. Now listen to me right now. I come to preach every insecurity out of you to tell you there is a call of God for you, for your family. You got to quit looking in the mirror and say, I've got the goods. He's by his grace, I'm going to be good enough. By his grace, I'm going to be. Come on, by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, but it's a gift of God. I want you to jump to your feet and shout, he's going to do it again. He's going to do Come on, shout, God's going to do it again. Hallelujah. I say to every pastor in the building, quit waiting. Quit waiting on the next person to show up that's going to come with greatness. Quit waiting on that. The people that God wants to use are sitting in the seats. They might not be the most capable. They might not be the most gifted. They might not have it all together, but they have a desire to be there, and that's always enough for God to do something powerful in that city. Come on, I tell every pastor in this house, every pastor on this staff, quit waiting on something else when God has given somebody a burden to serve right there with you. I'm gonna tell you where we miss it. It's when we're waiting on somebody in their 30s and God's put the desire in somebody that's 12. Do you realize most wars in American history were won by people that were 19 to 21 years old? Do you realize that John the Beloved was maybe 14 years old? And he said to him, Mother, behold thy son. He was the youngest of the disciples, but he was beloved. He was the closest to Jesus. But sometimes we're waiting on people to grow up when God's waiting you, waiting on you just to look and see. I'll tell you what I feel. Parents, quit comparing your kids to somebody else's kids. He's giving you those kids and they've got what they need. Start seeing what God's doing. I feel a revelation in this room right now so powerful. There's something great. Speak into your children's life and say, by the grace of God, you're going to do everything God's ever wanted you to do. There's a big future in your life. I preached to the pastors just, to, just in the last minute and a half. Let me preach to the saints. Remain standing. Music can come. God gave you a desire to be in that church. He gave you a desire to serve. A desire to do something. You believe that? Has it been awkward standing up here with me all this time? Has it been a little bit awkward up here with me all this time? I'm sorry. You can go down to the front row. Let's give him a hand. Between conviction and the call of God in your life, there always comes a burden. A burden to do what? Serve. Pastor, can I, can I help? Some of you show up hoping to be asked. Sometimes the pastor's waiting on you to be willing. And the person willing is just waiting to be asked. It's just a communication glitch between the two. The fact of the matter is, 
you got to say, I, if I'm here, it's not just because I'm saved. Because I'm going to lighten the load of my pastor. There's a daughter work representation here tonight from multi-city. Can I tell you today, it's not the will of God for your pastor to do all the work and his family themselves. Because God never calls them that he doesn't call you. I'll never forget casting a vision to the church about reaching the community. And Dave and Annie Brown came to me and they said, can we go to the juvenile jail with you? I said, well, sure. Y'all remember that? Go to the juvenile jails and I think it was... There was Alpha, Beta, Kappa, and Delta, I believe, was the people. But I think it was Beta, the, the B wing, where the girls were. And you'd go minister, y'all remember? Because God called me to go to the juvenile jail. He didn't just call me. Begin to cast vision for reaching young people in the streets. And I turn around, and there's Jackie and Fred. Sister Jackie, Fred, come down here with Pastor for a minute. I, I had a vision. And the vision was we're going to reach young people in the city that don't know God. And Sister Jackie is so sweet because I, I had a vision of dirty faced kids and teenagers, Brother Fred and People lost and broken that didn't know God that I, I sort of minister to people this way and can I help you today that that if you're ministering to people that are broken you just have to put yourself in their shoes that if it had been me raised the way they're raised I'd have been up where been where they are I had an effective jail ministry you know why because I saw them through the eyes of God I was raised in that the stories I heard and I thought no wonder they're messed up broken trying to Heal pain in their spirit. No, quit, quit judging thieves. Don't, don't, don't make sarcastic remarks of people that have stolen. The Bible says that a thief steals because they're hungry. If they're stealing one thing, it's because they're missing something else. I'm not saying I, I like thieves, but I love them. <laughs> I'd have walked the path and I'll never forget it. Sister Hodge, I think of you every time because I can picture. Remember when we cast vision and I said we're going to change the world and we're going to reach kids on the streets and, and uh, man, people just jumped in. I, I put empty peanut butter jars up here because in a prayer I was like, God, I don't know how we're going to fund it. I saw, I saw jars of pennies. Y'all remember that? Jars of pennies in the corners of the houses. And I got up and said, folks, if you just bring some change, we're going to have something you put in. Brother Anthony, where you at, Brother Anthony? Is he still back there, Brother Anthony Nutter? He did, he step out. Brother Cody, you remember that? We peeled labels and printed, changed the world, and wrapped peanut butter jars with them and set them all the way across the church. Got enough money to buy some things that go to the back and feed these kids from the streets. And people went and knocked doors. And, and because we just wanted to reach somebody with the gospel. Lee, it, 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 was, it was evangelism we had and uh, things that we did Sister Hodge, do you remember that? because I remember you coming bringing a, a jar of change sitting there and we took that money and picked up kids and we'd have 40 or 50 kids on the church van they got in fights they tore bathroom stalls down Sometimes that hold one one brother Mark had to hold a guy like this just to take him. Always his parents, his feet were just kicking as hard as they could. Take him all the way front door, knocking on the door, and handing the kid back. They were just mad. Remember that, brother Mark? But why were you there helping? Why were you there driving a van? Why were you giving change? I'm gonna tell you why. Because between conviction and calling, there always comes a burden to serve. I don't want to be a burden. I want to help carry the burden. And when we launched that, 
they came and said, would you mind if we went to the Avondale Youth Center and teach Bible studies and love people? And remember that? That's where it began. And y'all went down there and, and uh, started loving on people that were fatherless. And some of the kids I was ministering in juvenile jail, that was their home. They didn't have parents. They didn't have that. And uh, I'll never forget, Sister Jackie, that when I walked in on a Sunday morning, I was just the assistant pastor. I said, all right, where are we going in the van today? She was our van administrator. She said, at 8.10, we'll be at this door. 8.17, we'll be at this door. 8.25, we'll be at this door. She strategically put a plan together to put kids, pick kids up all over this community. Why? Because God gave them a burden. Where there's no vision, people perish. And I'm going to say this, where there's no vision, where there's no vision, there's no burden. But I speak on behalf of every city represented here tonight. Jesus is coming. And there are people that have not heard the gospel that would absolutely fall in love with Jesus if they just had an opportunity to hear about him. Do you believe that? We've got to get the word to people. And I feel it in my spirit that God wants to do it again. But it's not going to happen in the confines of these four walls. Somebody's got to get a burden to counsel the hurting and to love the broken and to reach. Is what I feel, Pastor Cody, is that those in debt, distressed, and discontented are going to be the ones that's going to lead the kingdom. But first, they've got to have somebody that will let them in their world. Come on now. They might not be able to step into it overnight, but God's going to do something. They're going to become giant killers before it's over with. They're going to come in broken, but they're going to become mighty, mighty men and women of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Many of you in this room relate with what I'm preaching. Because when your pastor's preaching, you're thinking about how can I help him get to where God's calling us to go? What can I do? Can I wash a commode? Can I sweep the floor? Can I give financially? Can I knock a door? Can I sing? Whatever. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I feel that I want every hand lifted in this room right now. God is wanting to do something again. Come on, saint of God. Saint of God, you say, I don't know what my calling is, but I've got a burden to do something. If you'll operate in your burden, you'll end up in your calling. But right now, David, you got to go home. You're anointed, but you got to go home and take care of your dad's sheep. Come on, Saul. You're anointed, but you got to go back for a little while before this thing is set in order. Because God just wants to know will you still be willing to serve? He doesn't need called people that command. He needs called people that are willing. And there's a burden. There's a burden. I want everybody opening your heart right now. Come on, there is a call in the future, but there's a burden now. Quit waiting on yourself to get it all together and help. Quit waiting. Quit waiting. When you get it completely educated and help. Quit waiting on your skill to be perfect. And your demeanor to be perfect. And your prayer life to be perfect. Yeah, you got to leave the foundation of repentance. But you've got to get involved in the kingdom. Come on, there's a moving of His Spirit in this room. Who's going to bear the burden? Who's going to help their pastor? Who's going to go to prayer in the wee hours of the morning? Who's going to fast? Who's going to sacrifice? I wonder in this room right now, 
who could grab a hold of a burden and you say this next week I'm going back to my city and I am going to bear the burden of the vision that God has given my pastor I'm not going to be a burden I'm going to carry the burden I'm going to cover them in prayer I'm going to pray for them every day I'm going to take a day a week and fast I'm going to be early and faithful I'll be the one in the prayer room I'll go there and create an atmosphere I'm not the one preaching but I'm the one with a burden pastor cast the vision and I'll go I'll drive the van, I'll knock the door, I'll sing in the choir. I'll get involved. Because before I'm called, there's a burden. Come on, Saul. He's willing to go to Gibeah. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.